Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. I am Race for the Prize. Follow me on Twitter. Go to my website, racefortheprize.com. If you want to get access to the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet, simply Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, some money my way, and I will give you access. Today we're talking about closers at the Super Speedway. A lot of times when we look at plate building, we've got a pool of drivers, and we have to decide who we want to play, and we need a nudge in one direction or another, trying to make a decision over what guy to roster besides that they're starting in the back. Obviously, salary doesn't matter too much. Point per dollar doesn't matter too much. But what is significant is just who finishes the best. And we can look at you know average finish in the sheets and get an idea of who tends to run well at plate races, but a lot of times you still get a lot of guys in the back that do tend to finish well, and we're talking about just small degrees of difference between drivers. Oh, well, he finishes in the top 10 at a you know 45% clip, whereas the other guy finishes in a 42% rate. It's not really that different, and a lot comes down to circumstance. So we often don't really know, so you just build two lineups. But how about another way to get a nudge? And we'll look at the 2023 data and see who closed out these races. Not just that they finished the race, not just that they survived the race, but how about some guys that make a big push at the end or guys that have shown a propensity or a knack for making a good run at the end. So I looked at the lap-by-lap data from these six plate races, super speedway races, whatever you want to call it, from last season. And then I looked at their last 10 laps. So obviously, if they didn't survive the wrecks, they're not going to have data during that time. And some are going to have some pretty negative numbers because they got caught up in a wreck. But that's worth noting. You didn't make the right moves at the end. You should be held accountable. Who made the right moves? Who got lucky? Who was able to get around people and survive? And we can see the data on the screen last year. We can look and see who did well and who was poor at this. Christopher Bell, on average, on the last 10 laps of a super speedway race, averaged 10 spots gained. So if Christopher Bell is a guy that you have to decide between at the end of a race or when you're building a a plate roster, yeah, that's definitely going to be a guy that maybe you want to factor that in. Daytona grabbed seven spots at the end. He didn't lay up. He got aggressive. He went for it. Only two at Atlanta, but as you'll see with Atlanta, there isn't often as much movement. Talladega, 19 spots over the last 10 laps. They, obviously, there's going to be a lot of context and avoiding wrecks, but regardless of all that, put aside, simply he made the right moves. He made the right moves at Daytona in the summer. He made the right moves again at Talladega. I think that's enough of a sample size to say, hmm, maybe there is something there. Obviously, we're looking at one year, but we are seeing that he, at the very least, was aggressive and making the right decisions. Tyler Reddick is second best with an average of nine spots gained. And that's with two bad races. One obviously gets thrown out because he wasn't still alive at Daytona. So you might want to downgrade that nine because he wasn't there. But when it came down to the last 10 laps, he knew when to go and he made some moves. Corey LaJoy. Is this really a surprise to see LaJoy up here? We know that he is a pretty good plate racer and the data is backing that up. 12 spots gained over the last 10 green flag laps in the Daytona 500. And then in the fall at Talladega, seven spots gained. Those seven spots are a lot of points. That's seven position points. That's seven place differential points. That's 14 points right there. That's pretty close to getting you into that top six. It's definitely going to get you close to a top 10 DFS score. 
J.G. Ailey, not a big sample size, but Talladega. You know, sometimes we have questions about these Rick Ware cars and if they can get the job done, but at Talladega and at Daytona, he was able, over those last 10 green flag laps, to battle with the big boys that were still around. Ryan Blaney grabbing 22 in Daytona is kind of making this look really good, but he didn't lose a lot of spots at Atlanta or Talladega. B.J. McLeod, 13 spots gained at Talladega, 5 at Atlanta. That's interesting. And you can see here who was pretty aggressive in the last green flag laps, and maybe you can use that. Maybe Chase Briscoe is somebody you want to target. Yeah, it didn't work out for him at Daytona. Maybe because he was too aggressive, but that aggressiveness paid off at Talladega in both races. That aggressiveness paid off at Atlanta. He didn't lay up. The worst thing you can do is get a driver that's going to be satisfied for a top 10 or a top 15. You want to make sure that you pick the guy that pushes the hardest. Obviously, there's wreck potential, but we're trying to win a GPP. We're not trying to build cash lineups for a super speedway. And we can look at the opposite end. Who does not tend to run well at the end? Austin Cindric had a bad spell of it right there, but then rebounds in Atlanta, rebounds in the second Talladega race, obviously got knocked out in the summer race. Martin Trix Jr., a driver that we all know is statistically maybe the worst super speedway racer in the history of NASCAR. And here you are at the end. He just cannot close these races out. Negative 14 at Talladega, negative 11 on the last 10 green flag laps at Atlanta. Bowman takes a huge, you know, wrecks are going to happen. We understand that. Another three races, though, he was positive. So to get eight and three and three and then a negative 28, at the very least, I can infer that he's going to be aggressive at the end of the race. And that's the drivers that you want. You're trying to take down a GPP. You want the guy that's going to make some moves. You want the Ricky Stenhouse. You want the aggressive driver. It can blow up in your face, but that's just the way that it is. The guys that are going to finish up in the front which we know when we look statistically at our top sixes, at our optimal lineups, the average finish of a driver in an optimal lineup, we're talking for average finish of seven, average finish of five, six, eight. On average at Daytona, yeah, we know about stacking in the back, but we also know we need you to finish not just in the top 10, you got to creep up to the top five. And you're not going to get into the top five if you're not aggressive. And you can look at the data and say, all right, well, it doesn't always work out for Bowman, but at the very least, he's going for it. We don't want a top 10. We need winners. And Bowman's one of those guys. Priest is interesting because Priest is one of the guys that throughout the years has been considered one of the more consistent, better plate racers. But my observation here is that, yes, Priest used to be pretty solid. I think he still is a good driver at the super speedways. But before he was in JTG Daughtery Equipment and their game plan, him and AJ Allmendinger was always, let's run in the middle. Let's wait for our time to come. And then let's move forward and take what we can get. Top 10 is great. Top five, maybe. But they never really pushed it. Now that he's with Stuart Haas Racing, he may have changed his approach. He may feel the pressure to do more and become more aggressive, which wasn't his naturally suited skill or approach at the plate races before. Now, we're taking numbers and making some assumptions, but I would assume that he's being a lot more aggressive now. And in doing so, those last 10 laps, he's going for it. 
and it just hasn't worked out for him. There's two ways you can look at this. Oh, he's not a good plate racer anymore. I don't think that's the case. This is actually probably a good thing. He's pushing it at the end of the races now. He's going for wins. It's not always going to work out, but it did in the second Talladega race. If I'm rostering people, if I'm building lineups, Priest is more of a driver I want now than before. Yes, he could survive. Yeah, he could get a top 10. But was he ultimately landing in optimal lineups? You can check the data to look at that. But we're going for top fives. So we want drivers that are going for top fives. Priest may not have been that guy before. But now with SHR, he is appears to be that guy. And again, I'm not surprised to see Kyle Larson here at the bottom. Not even getting to the end of Atlanta at the time. Not, well, the two kind of sticks out. But the big negative numbers from Larson, he's an aggressive driver. He's never wanted a super speedway in the Cup Series. He wants to get a win. This is a driver that is going for top fives. Doesn't really work out for him very often, but he fits that mold, that car, that, that criteria, that archetype of are you going for it or not? Because the data says we need people that are going for it. Kyle Larson's not going to settle for a 10th. He's not going to be satisfied finishing eighth at a super speedway. That doesn't mean anything to him. He has a checkbox. He wants to win this race. Daytona, Talladega, Atlanta, you name it. He wants to get a victory in one of these super speedway races. And it looks like more often than not, it's going to blow up in your face. But it's going to hit one of these times. And he is the type of driver that you want to roster. That'll do it. Short and sweet, simple. Raceforthepride.com. That's where you can go. Get the access to the sheet. Thanks for joining me.